0: All right, praise God. Let's pray over the Word today. I'm so glad you're here and so glad we can come together to worship. Father, we thank you for your Word today and thank you for your presence and for your refreshing. Thank you that you said you would send times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And we thank you for that, Father. We praise you that you're doing that and you will continue to do it. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for your Word today. We thank You, Father, and we praise You for the Holy Spirit revealing Your Word to each of our hearts today, giving us understanding. And Lord, I ask You to give me utterance today to to say this and to communicate this in the way that You've shown it to me and put it in my heart. May it come forth, Lord, clearly uh, to every heart. May we each have understanding, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, we thank You. We trust the Holy Spirit uh, to help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Second Peter uh, is where we're going to start today, the book of Second Peter, Peter's second letter that he wrote to the church to believers. Second Peter chapter one, and we'll start with verse number two. He says, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness." Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is a very powerful passage of scripture in the New Testament. It's full of of some amazing statements here and some wonderful things uh, that that we can receive in our lives. First of all, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Praise God. So I want to tell you this morning how you can have grace and peace multiplied in your life. Could anybody use that? Could anybody use grace and peace being multiplied in your life? I want to, uh, and then he says in, in verse 3, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So I want to talk to you this morning and tell you how you can access the all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then in verse 4, he says, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. So I want to tell you how you can be a partaker of the divine nature. Is anybody interested in these things today? Praise God. So... So uh, first of all, Peter tells us here again in verse number two, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God or, and, and, uh, and of Jesus, our Lord. And then in verse three, he says, his divine power has given again, it's past tense. It's not will give. It's not might have. It's has given. He's already given it. Amen. His divine power has given to us what? all things that pertain to life and godliness. That pretty much covers it. If you've got everything that you need that pertains to your life, both natural and spiritual, and you've got everything you need supplied to you so that you can be godly and righteous, amen, then that pretty much covers it, right? Amen. And he says... uh, uh, He says, uh, He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. So in in the second verse there, He says, Grace and peace are multiplied to you in how? In the knowledge of God. And then verse 3, All things that pertain to life and godliness come to us through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Praise God. So, so these things are received in our lives through the knowledge of God, Amen. And this word in the Greek language, you know, I, I do. Uh, uh, I do have a. I did minor in uh, biblical languages. You do know that I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. You did know that, right? Why are you laughing? The little. Uh, the little Greek has a restaurant right down here on One Forty One and. <laughs> And the little Hebrew, well, that's Bob. He's a jeweler. So hallelujah. Bonnie's brother, Bob. So That's my little Greek and my little Hebrew. All right. I do know how to read a concordance, and I do have a Vines Expository Dictionary of New Testament words, and that's all you need, really. All right. So out of that, we're going to talk to you about, about what these words are. And it's real important for us to get it, and I believe it's... It's not too technical that, it, that you can't get a hold of it. So, uh, amen. So, the, so this Greek word uh, that's translated knowledge here, where he says grace and peace multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. And then in verse 3, uh, all things that pertain to, come to, uh, to life and godliness come to us through the knowledge. This word knowledge in both of those verses is the Greek word epignosis. All right? And there's a similar Greek word that's translated knowledge, and it's the word gnosis. It just doesn't have the word epi in front of it. Uh, one of the, the, the one that's used here is epignosis, and the more common word that's used in the Bible in the New Testament for knowledge is just gnosis. It doesn't have the epi in, uh, in front of it. And um, And gnosis means to have a general knowledge about something or about someone. When you ask somebody sometimes, Hey, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. That means they've heard his name mentioned. That means they may know he's a character in the Bible. But you can kind of tell a lot of times from the response whether they know him. Right? They may have a gnosis, but they don't have the epinosis. Because epinosis is different. Epinosis is an exact, full knowledge and recognition of a subject. The Bible talks about when Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth, he could not do any mighty work there. They said, oh, this is the carpenter. You know, this is the son of of Joseph, or this is the carpenter's son and his brothers and sisters are here with us. They knew him, but just from a natural standpoint, they knew him, but they didn't know him. Later, that's in Mark 6, in the early part of the the chapter. Later on in the chapter, when Jesus had sailed across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he says he, he got out of the boat, and it says there that the people recognized him and immediately they brought to uh, to him all that were sick and diseased, and they sought to touch him, and as many as touched him were made whole because power was going out of him. Well, they recognized him for who he really was, didn't they? Amen. That's what this epignosis is. It's, it's recognizing someone. Peter says when grace and peace are going to be multiplied to you, When you recognize God for who he is, when you recognize Jesus for who he is, and you recognize what they've done for you. That's the kind of knowledge we're talking about today. Amen. Uh, I mentioned the Vines Dictionary. It's an expository dictionary of New Testament words where he gives the English word and and then he shows the different Greek words that are that correspond to that English word that are translated, different Greek words that are used the way that English word is translated. And then he gives you the definition. And um, he says this about epignosis. He said it's a strengthened form of gnosis, expressing a full, epignosis is, expressing a fuller or a full knowledge, a greater participation by the knower in the object known. That means we have a relationship with God. We participate with Him. Thus, it says, "A, a greater participation by the knower in the object known, thus more powerfully influencing Him. Hallelujah. The knowledge that Peter's talking about here is a knowledge that we have of God that exerts a powerful influence over us. Amen. Amen. Paul wrote, said this in Ephesians 3.19, that we may know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That knowledge, the word for knowledge there is gnosis. But we can have the love of Christ that passes that. We can have that, we can have that knowledge of God that, that uh, powerfully influences us. Praise God. This word, epignosis, as a matter of fact, is never used in the Gospels or in the book of Acts. It's only used in the epistles. It's used 15 times by Paul in his letters and four times by Peter, all of them here in Second Peter. Now, the ver- that's the noun, epignosis is the noun. The verb form, you're going to get, get a little uh, English lesson here too today. The verb form of epignosis is uh, epignosco. And it's used in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And uh, you know that verse. It says, it, Paul's writing here. He says, now I know. That word is, is the, the general one, gnosis, or the, or the verb form, gnosko. But then I shall know. And this is piginosko. Uh This little piggy. <laughs> uh, piginosco is that next one. But then I shall know, just as I am... Known, and that last known is epignosco, the verb form of epignosis. Uh, so what and, and so the, and so the the some other translations then of that of that last phrase of that verse say says this, just as God knows me completely. So epignosis talks about knowing someone completely. Hallelujah. The New, uh, the new International Version says, just as I am fully known. So this epignosis is knowing someone completely, knowing someone fully. And that's what Peter said. Grace and peace are going to be multiplied to you when you know God completely, when you know him fully. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know that we're going to spend eternity getting to know God. We'll never know him fully on this side. I realize that. But on the other hand, we can have a knowledge of him that's not just a general knowledge. We can have a knowledge of him where we know him. You know, there's a saying now, if you know, you know right? Well, we can know. Amen. We can know. Amen? Amen? Praise God. And again, Vine says this, it's a knowledge, this epignosis is a knowledge which perfectly unites the subject with the object. Amen. That we can know God, we can know Jesus in such a way that it perfectly unites us with Him. Whoo! Hallelujah. Amen. Again, epignosis is an exact full knowledge and recognition of a subject. And, uh, and, and, and so we can, we can know him that way. Amen. Amen. And uh, so again, let's look, at, let's look again at what Peter says. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, in this exact full knowledge and exact knowledge. See, there's been a lot of misinformation. They talk about misinformation these days. We're going to establish a misinformation panel you know, that's going to censor, you know, what you, what you can read and see and hear. Uh, but there's been a lot of misinformation about God, hasn't there? Yes. Amen. A lot of religious tradition, a lot of wrong thinking, and, 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 and a, lo- a lot of wrong teaching about God. Well, you can know, you can have exact, this is, he says, this epignosis is a, an exact knowledge. It's, a, it's correct knowledge. Amen. Amen. It's who God really is. Amen. And we can have that. Uh, And and, and we can know him in a way that powerfully influences us. Praise God. So that's how grace and peace come to us. And again, it says his divine power. Let's look at verse 3 again. First, second Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge, through this epignosis of him who called us by glory And virtue. So, everything you need to function and succeed in life, all things that pertain to life, everything that I need, you know, sometimes people think, well, I'm just deficient in this and I'm just deficient in that. And I, you know, boy, if I just had that, or if I just, you know, was better at this, or if I just had training way back then, or if I just had, you know, I'm just missing something. No, everything you need that pertains to life and godliness, everything that you need to function and to succeed in life has been given to you by God. And it comes to us through this knowledge, through knowing God, through knowing Him in this way, where, and, and I'm going to get into some things of how we, how we do that, but we, where, we, where we know Him not just from an outside or casual, but we know Him on the inside of us, and we know Him in our hearts, and we, and we know Him Fully and completely for who he is. Amen. 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 Praise God. Everything you need to function and succeed in life. And everything that you need to live a godly life. It says his divine power has already given it to us. And and it's transferred to us. It comes to us through us knowing him. Praise God. He says, you know, you might say, well, pastor, I don't seem, doesn't seem like I'm experiencing this. I hadn't got a hold of it. Well... Again, through the knowledge, through this epignosis, uh, we come, as we come personally in contact with God and as we personally interact with Him, and, and what happens is this kind of knowledge, it says it powerfully influences us. See, when you, when you read His Word and when you get in His presence, when you really do that, that has a powerful impact on you. Amen. That's why it's important to, and we're going to, again, get, get further into this, why it's important to get into the Word of God and let the knowledge of God impact you. Amen. Amen. Something's being imparted. Praise Amen. God. So getting to know God, getting to know the one that, that, that called you. Amen. He says, uh, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Amen. So we say, yeah, yeah, we want that, right? Yeah. Do We want that. And you're thinking probably, well, surely that can only come if I have a vision. Surely that can only come if I have some powerful supernatural experience. Well, let's see what Peter says about that. Again, verse 4 By which have been given to us what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. Not experiences, not visions. Now, no, not, I'm not preaching against any of that. God can give visions and dreams, and, and we can and should have experiences, but Peter says this is going to flow to us through these promises. Amen. You may or may not have a vision. You may or may not have a dream. You may or may not have a supernatural experience, but I guarantee you, you've already got promises. You've already got promises, and it's through these promises that these things come. Amen. Hallelujah. Peter had some experiences, didn't he? Right? He walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He had a supernatural experience when Jesus called him. He was out fishing, and then fished all night and caught nothing, right? And then Jesus comes along and, and says, cast your net on, you know, launch out into the deep, let down your nets, and... And, and so Peter says, well, we've, you know, we've, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. We're professional fishermen here. Who are you telling us what to do? But I'm going to humor you. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And they caught a great, you know, a great multitude of fish. Right? That's right. Yeah. And, and then Peter's, uh, Peter says, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, come and follow me and you'll be a fisher of men. You'll catch men. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, that was a supernatural experience, wasn't it? He, he walked on the water. When Jesus bid to him to come in the midst of the storm, Peter actually walked on the water. He was there distributing the loaves and fish when Jesus fed the multitudes. He was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Peter had some supernatural experiences. But Peter says it's not those experiences. It's, the exceed, it's what he calls exceedingly great and precious promises. That's what's important, because if you don't have the, uh, the 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 promises, can produce the experiences as God wills. If you try to get the experience ahead of the promises, you can get deceived and misled, and led by your feelings and led by your emotions. Amen. But it's the promises. That's what I. That's one one thing that I've been, uh, appreciated about this the Asbury revival is they made their focus on worship, on prayer, and on the Word of God. Amen. And people were having experiences, but it was all founded in Scripture. Amen. Thank God for it. Now, so, Peter says it's not those experiences, but it's what he calls, again, exceedingly great and precious promises. Let me ask you a question. Is that the way you look at the Word of God? See, the value that we place on the Word of God will be the life and the blessing that will be imparted back to us. Amen. If it's like, as Barbara says, we get to, you know, instead of we got to. If it's like, oh, I got to read my Bible so I can check off my list. Now, again, I know you may not, when you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and, and you grab your Bible to read your daily Bible, you may not feel very anointed and you may feel like, okay, I'm doing this. But if you'll just make a little adjustment in there and say, these are exceedingly great and precious promises. And by these promises, I'm going to partake of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he calls them exceedingly great and precious promises. And then in a few verses later, in verse 16, uh, we, we see more about what Peter says about the about the value of the, of the Bible, the written word of God, above any experience, above any supernatural manifestation. Again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not preaching against manifestations and experiences. We ought to have them, amen? But we, what, what, but we, again, the order, we have to keep the order right. We've got to put the word first, the written word. 2 Peter 1, 16, "...for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain." Peter's talking about the, another experience that he had, probably maybe the greatest one of all, where, where Peter and James and John go with Jesus up to the mountain, and Jesus is transfigured. So the Bible says that his, that his clothes begin shining. Jesus begins shining with the glory of God. You know, uh, the, the, the voice of God the Father speaks. This is, they hear the audible voice of God the Father, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Peter turns and, and they see Moses and Elijah. They appear to Jesus and talk to him. And, um, and so Peter has this experience. He says, we were with him. We had this dramatic experience. But then he says this in the next verse. He says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you will do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What is he talking about here? Well, the King James says it this way. It says, we have also a what? A what? More sure sure word of prophecy. What is he saying here? He said, I had this experience. I was with him on the mountain. I saw Moses and Elijah speaking to him. I saw him shine with the glory of God. I heard the voice of God the Father, but, but... The people he's writing to, beloved, he says, we've got a more sure word of prophecy. And he's talking about the scripture. He says it's more sure than that experience, than that manifestation. Amen. Amen. All right. And so he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And he says, uh, so we'll pick up reading again in the new King James. It says, which you go back to the, there we go. Which you, look at this, which you will do well, which you do well to heed. What is he talking about? Again, the word of God. He said, this is what you need to focus on. This is, what, this is what is your foundation, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. The psalmist, Psalm 119 says, the entrance of your word gives light. Hallelujah. The entrance of your word gives light. Praise God as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20, he says, For knowing this first, that no prophecy of what? Scripture. So he's talking about the Scripture and all this. That more sure word of prophecy is the Scripture. Now, they didn't have the New Testament wasn't written and compiled, and not all of it. Later on in, in this letter of Second Peter Peter talks about the letters that Paul had written and he says sometimes unstable people twist some of the things that he says as they do other scripture. So even in that early time, Peter is acknowledging that what Paul had written, the letters that Paul had written were inspired and were in fact scripture. Amen. And so he says this, he says, no prophecy of scripture is of any Private interpretation. What does he mean by that? It means that no one person says, okay, you've got to come to me to understand what this verse means. If you, find, if you get, find yourself in a situation where someone is teaching you and they say, nobody else has this revelation, nobody else knows this, you've got to come to me to understand what this scripture means and says, then run away. Amen. It's of no private interpretation. Amen. Amen. You know, Brother Hagin was, was used by the Lord to, to spearhead what, what we know was a, a revival of the message of faith. And some people, you know, jokingly say, yeah, didn't he write Mark 11, 23 and 24? You know, didn't Kenneth Hagin put that in the Bible? Well, no, Jesus said it. And Brother Hagin wasn't saying anything new. It might have been new to some people, but he was standing on the shoulders of people like Wigglesworth and, uh, and, 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 and people like Dr. Yeomans and people like John G. Lake. He was saying the same thing that they were saying. Why? And, there were, and there were those in generations before that. Why? It's because it's the Word of God. It's the truth. It's of no private interpretation. Amen? Amen. Amen. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit and they wrote it down. They wrote it down. Amen. So the Bible is the inspired... You know, Paul says in 2 Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. And it's profitable to us. Praise God. So... Let's go back to verse 4, 2 Peter 1, verse 4. He says, "...by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be..." What? "...that through what? Through the promises, through the Word of God, through the Scripture, amen, and getting to know God..." through the Scripture, through the Word of God. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, I can't understand God the Father. I can't understand the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit by feelings. I understand God the Father. I understand the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit by what the Word says. God is everything the Word says He is. God will do everything the Word says He will do. Amen. Through the Scriptures, through these promises... We are partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Now, again, when we're saved, well, I thought thought we got that when we got saved. Well, you did. Uh, The Bible says we're born of God. Amen. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Praise God. We receive the nature of God. We're born again. We're given the nature of God. We're given the life of God when we're saved. That's what the new birth is. But for that new nature, for that life of God to find full expression, amen, in our lives, we've got to read and meditate on and believe and speak these exceedingly great and precious promises. That's when that divine nature uh, has full expression. That's how we partake of the divine nature, amen. And another benefit of that, it says escape, having escaped, the corruption that's in the world through lust. We're, we're inundated today in our culture with that corruption, aren't we? The corruption that's in the world through lust. But thank God, through these exceeding great and precious promises, as we partake of the divine nature, we escape that. We're insulated from it. Glory to God. Now, I want to, as we wrap it up, I want to give you two other factors here because you've heard of people, I have too, that say they've read the Bible. I've read the Bible from cover to cover and uh, they've come in contact with those exceedingly great and precious promises. They've been exposed to the knowledge of God, but they're not even saved. You've, read, you've, you've heard of people that have read the Bible. Well, I've read that. And not even saved, not even born again. Well, they obviously didn't receive the epignosis, right? That, not, that kind of knowledge of God that, that does what? That exerts a powerful influence on the person. Amen? Amen? And they didn't do that enough to call on the Lord. So there's two other factors here that are necessary that I want to point out to you. First of all, first one is an open heart. We have to open our hearts to God and to the truth of His Word. A person has to do that. We have to open our hearts. And, uh, and Paul gives us a, a good example of that, uh, of people doing that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He says, uh, "For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. You did They did what? Welcome. They welcomed it, yeah. and they welcomed it. How? Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. back go back to the previous slide for a second. Not as the word of men, they didn't accept it as." Oh, well, yeah, this is another another philosophy. We've heard from this philosopher, and we know what this philosopher says, so we're going to check out this philosopher now. No, he said, you didn't accept it that way. You didn't accept it as the word of men only, but as it is in truth. Now the rest, rest of the verse there. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works... That word of God will effectively work in you when you welcome it, when you count it as not not the word of men but as the word of God, when you see these promises as exceedingly great and precious and you you believe it. He says it, it effectively works in you who believe. So we have to open our heart to it. Amen? So open your heart to the word of God and to the promises of God and to the truth of God. And then the last thing is the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 25. Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. Did Jesus speak the word of God? Well, he didn't just speak the word of God. He is the word of God. <laughs> so everything he said was the word of God, obviously. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Remember how, when uh, sometimes when Jesus was trying to communicate with His disciples and they were like, "What? What are you? We don't understand what you're saying. This doesn't make any sense to us. They couldn't understand it, right? Some of it. Well. So he's promising them when the Holy Spirit comes within them and upon them and that he's going to, he says, teach them. He said he'll teach you all things. In other words, he's going to take that general knowledge and make it real, make it come alive. So if you know, you know. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He's gonna make that, it takes the Holy Spirit to make the general knowledge of, of the scripture and the Bible and things of God to come alive in you. It's like when we were singing those songs this morning that are, uh, you know, just, just so full of the of the precious truths of the Word of God. If they're alive in you, then when you sing them like that, it just that's what you know. That's what stirred my heart so this morning. These, these great these words that we're singing are not just words; they're great, wonderful, r- redeeming, Amen. delivering, liberating truths. Amen. Amen. And when, you, and when you've had the Holy Spirit reveal them to you, that's what they are. That's what they become in you. Amen. He says he's going to teach us all things, and he says, bring to our remembrance all that Jesus said to us. John 16, 12. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Even if I tried, you couldn't get it. It would go over your head. You'd miss it. In that stage, at that point. All right. However... When he, the spirit of truth, has come. Well, let me ask you a question. Did he come? Oh, he came. (laughs) He came. Yes, he did. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Now, let me just stop and say something right here about this. He's going to guide you into what? All truth. He didn't say he will guide you to formulate your truth. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? People say, "Well, this is my truth. This is what this is the this is the truth." I'm no, you're not. There's only one truth. There's not your truth, his truth, her truth, y'all's truth. There's only one truth. There's only one truth. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Jesus says, "For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak." And he'll tell you things to come. Next verse. He will glorify me, Jesus said. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Hallelujah. That's what he said the Holy Spirit would do. He said he's going going to glorify Jesus. He's going to take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. Well, I don't know about, about you and your experience, but I know about me and my experience and I know that I mentioned it earlier. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1979, all of a sudden, this book that I couldn't quite get interested in, that just that seemed like, okay, yeah, that's the Bible. That's nice. Yeah, we're supposed to believe it. Uh, all of a sudden, it became alive. It became so alive. just like, wow. And wow, that fits with this. And he's saying the same thing here as he's saying here. And oh, it was like that. And not only that was, Jesus became so much more real to me. The Jesus that was out here, the Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago, the Jesus that I heard about in Sunday school, all of a sudden was the Jesus that I knew. The Holy Spirit did that. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what he said, just what Jesus said he would do. Amen. Praise God. Clint, come on, come on up before I finish this up and get done here and say, where's the music? So, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Because the Holy Spirit comes to reveal Jesus. So we have to have an open heart, and we have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. Amen. In order to receive this knowledge, this epignosis, this knowledge that has a, exerts a powerful influence over us and changes us and therefore produces grace and peace multiplied to us and therefore enables us, enables the all things that pertain to life and godliness to flow into our lives and to cause us to be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. Paul says, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Sometimes people stop reading right there. Yeah, you know. I has not seen and ear has not heard, neither have entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared. We'll never know. We're just not supposed to know some things. Don't stop right there. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us. How? How? Through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12. Now... We have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why did did God give us the spirit? Why have we received the spirit who is from God? That we might know, that we might know, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That sounds a lot like what Peter says when he says, all things that pertain to life and godliness have been Given to us. His divine power has given already all things that pertain to life and Godliness through the knowledge. Here Paul says that we might know. Well, what word do you suppose that know is there? I just knew it was going to be epignosis when I was looking it up and studying. I was about ready to run around. I was going to bust up my office over that. But it wasn't. This Greek word here for know, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, is actually the Greek word oida. Now, not the potato company. Not tater tots. Not orida. i got y'all hungry now. Oida. O-I-D-A. But, even though it's not epignosis, it means the same thing. It means a, a fullness of knowledge. It's a knowledge that can't be debated or argued out of you. It's a knowledge that you know it in your knower, as I used to say. And the Holy Spirit will take the word of God and take the truth of God and make it so real to you and me that we know it and our knower, that we know God, that Jesus becomes alive and real to us and the word of God becomes exceedingly great and precious promises to us and it begins to effectively work in us as we believe it and it produces grace, God's ability, and it produces peace and wholeness and it produces everything we need for life and godliness and it causes that divine nature of God that was planted in us as a seed at the new birth just to begin to grow and flourish and dominate every area of our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Can anybody say thank God for the word? Thank God for his promises today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Jesus. Let's just stand up and praise him for his word right now. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your exceedingly great and precious promises. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've sent to teach us. Hallelujah. And, to, and that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by you, Father. And may we walk fully in those things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you for it. Oh, we praise you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for your mercy upon us, Father. Thank you for your grace multiplied to us. Thank you for your peace multiplied to us. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's sing a little bit. I asked Clint to get this song ready, and I think it fits real good right here.
1: standing on the promises of christ my savior standing standing i am standing on the promises of god on the second standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Sing again, standing, standing. Standing, standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit sword, standing on the promises of God. Sing, standing, standing, standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior, standing. Standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, again standing, standing, standing.